Welcome to Imagine This Podcast. A conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee and beyond to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm David Lee. I'm Lindsay Sheridan. And I'm Elizabeth Gasparka. Happy Podcast Tuesday, Elizabeth. How's it going? Oh, hey, Lindsay. It's going great. How are you? It's going good. I can't believe we're already in the uh, deep into July. Deep into July. How was your uh, long holiday weekend? It was very restful. Yeah, it was it was pretty relaxing. I played a game of darts in the yard and had some friends over for dinner. Yeah. Peaked just a couple of fireworks, but even more impressive than the fireworks was the incredible thunderstorm display that happened on July 4th. Yeah. Nature's fireworks, if you will. Nature's Mm -hmm. fireworks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I went down to the lakefront and and watched from South Shore Park. Wow. Quite a show. Ignoring all common weatherman instructions <laughs> to probably stay hey, inside. Hey, hey. <laughs> now tell hey, us it wasn't even raining. So yeah, tell us more about the darts in the yard. Do you have a dart board that you hang up in a tree? Like what? What does that look like? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, we we have a, a little porch and a pretty pretty modest size yard. And my husband mounts a dartboard. There's like a little hook that just remains on one of the pillars of our porch. And it's uh, it's perfectly lined up for a, for a dartboard. So we just put a there little line of, of rocks on the ground and call it a game room. Mm-hmm. How about you? How was your fourth or third and fourth? It was also very relaxing. Just a lot of time outside. I meandered along the lake for a while. Here's my plug for this park that I had never been to called Lake Vista Park in Oak Creek. So if you mm-hmm. feel like taking a drive slightly south someday, incredible, incredible views. Feels really quiet and removed in a way that just hanging out in like South Shore doesn't necessarily always feel quite as removed. So that was just a lovely discovery and made me feel really at peace. Yeah. I saw the pictures and it has earned its name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Truly, truly. Deserved. <laughs> So um, zooming out a little bit, Lindsay, what's what's going on in the Imagine sphere? Yeah, well, we've been spending some good time outdoors, too. So one big project we've been up to this summer in our neighborhood work is collaborating with 16th Street Community Health Centers, Safe and Sound and Muskego Way Forward on activating some green spaces in Muskego Way. So this is thanks to a grant we got from Northwestern Mutual. Uh, we were invited to apply collaboratively. And so this was the project that we put forth. And um, so we've been just had a couple events so far, but we'll have at least five more through July and August and September. And we are activating a currently vacant space at 16th Street and Forest Home. And so this is an area surrounded by houses and has been used for various things in the past. Um, But we are activating it with some educational opportunities brought together, curated by the folks at 16th Street and Muskego Way and Safe and Sound. And then we're bringing in an artistic element. So we get to invite some arts partners like MAM and Fabula and the Conservatory of Music and Milwaukee mm. Film to respond to some of the themes that we have about environmental justice and mental health and a uh, whole, whole bunch of other topics mm. and, and bring that creative element too. 
Our guest today is Yessi Perez, who is our collaborator over at 16th Street Community Health Center. So we get to hear more from her about that work, about her work at 16th Street. And actually, she's an artist, too. So we get to learn about mm-hmm. her artistic practice and how that informs her work. But it's really been a joy working with the crew. Um, it's fun to have a big group working on this. And actually, just the other week, uh, we ha- hosted a you know a neighborhood arts and culture committee meeting there, mm-hmm. um, where we invited residents to talk about what they wanted to see in that space, respond to some examples of public art that struck them as most interesting that they might like to see, and the mm-hmm. big crazy dreaming for what that space could become. And actually, tomorrow we're going to have another event focused on environmental justice and our friends from MAM will bring their art truck out so people can make art in the park. Um, So yeah, lots of good things happening and love an excuse to be outdoors more in the summer too. You know, so this got me thinking, thinking about where you're based, your neighborhood, is there a space, could be green, could be a building, whatever, that you think, ah, this space is underutilized and could be something amazing with a little imagination and the right people. Why? Yes. (laughs) I don't know why, but I have an answer to this that I've had for several years. Um, (laughs) Oh, you have a plan. I do. I do. Uh, A very, very loose plan. So Humble Park is located in Bayview, my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And within Humble Park, there is the Humble Park Pond. Mm. And within Humble Park Pond, there are two tiny islands. And I have this bizarre vision of somehow creating a very special artistic gathering. I'm picturing like a full moon gathering actually uh, on this island that, you know, I affectionately call Goose Island because the the (laughs) geese pretty much run the show over there at Humble Mm -hmm. Park Pond. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like something special should happen in that space. And it might just be a full moon gathering and a circle of friends telling stories and singing songs and playing guitar with a bonfire. But I just feel like something needs to happen there. Alternatively, if not that, then perhaps a giant turtle sculpture could be constructed on that Mm. island because it is quite the habitat for turtles. How deep is the pond? Could you wade out there if you had the right boots on or would you need to float? (laughs) I wouldn't recommend trying because I think there are snapping turtles in there. (gasps) Oh um, my gosh. Right, right. I'm not quite sure how deep it is. You'd have to ask someone who works in the park system. I'm sure Mm -hmm. that someone has that that data at the ready, but Mm -hmm. not I. (laughs) How about you, Lindsay? Do you have any spaces in your neighborhood that, that call to you? I live in Brewers Hill, um, a couple blocks north of where Uncle Wolfie's is right now, which is across the street from a space that has been a few restaurants, I believe, in its history. Um, mm-hmm. Most recently, it was a place called View MKE. And before that, it was Wolf Peach. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, I th- it's empty right now, from what I can mm-hmm. tell. And I, you know, I see it walking around my neighborhood and and I take advantage of the fact that it is empty to walk up on that porch for a moment and take in the great view of the city. But, you know, in wild dreaming, if I had infinite resources to uh, buy it or rent it or whatever the case would be, wouldn't that make a really interesting community art center of some sort? I don't oh, know okay. what, but uh, that that patio there would be an amazing stage with the backdrop of the city for a performance to happen. 
could still serve food and drink and whatnot, but just what would be the use of that space that would take advantage of that really rare mm. uh, angle of the city that mm-hmm. I think is just pretty breathtaking. It's a, I, I remember before I lived in Milwaukee, but my parents had moved here. So I was just starting to get to know it, but had family here. I remember going to that restaurant and seeing the view and just being struck by what a cool little corner of Milwaukee that was. And so mm-hmm. just to see it be something that would be accessible and would draw, um, draw folks into it for more than just a meal what could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Another fantastic vista. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I love all this dreaming, you know, it's been like that to work with our collaborators on this project in Muskego Way this summer. So mm. I'm excited that we can have Yessi on today to hear more. Oh, yeah. Well, without further ado, should we jump into the interview? Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Yessi? Yessi Perez is a Latinx creative a graduate from Marquette University and the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design with a major in political science and a focus in studio art, she continues to call Milwaukee her home as a proud South Sider. While she prefers working traditionally through the medium of acrylic painting, she also explores working through other mediums as well as digital illustration. Her style has been heavily influenced by surrealism, pop art, street art, and all those experiences as a young Latinx woman growing up in Milwaukee. Mental health, emotions, nature, identity, growth, life, and death are recurring themes in her pieces. Perez loves to play with color and is drawn to creating fluid designs that carry heavy symbolism and meaning. Her goal is to make art that fosters reflection and conversation. After the break, Yessi Perez. Hey, Yessie, how's it going? Uh, It's going. I'm pretty good. Can't complain. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. Um, We've had the total joy of working with you, uh, collaborating on some programming in Muskego Way this summer. But here you are in the podcast seat. and We get to talk to you about that and your work as an artist and all sorts of things. So really glad you're here. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So to kick us off, Yessie, I'm going to jump in and ask you our standard first question. We'd love if you would tell us a story of an arts or cultural experience that left a strong imprint on you. Sure thing. Um, As I was kind of thinking about this question, because I feel like it's not really something that I think about too much, unless I'm just kind of reflecting or something like that. But I realized that one of like the most important or like the most vital, I guess you would say, experiences that I've had was actually when I was a lot younger. It was an experience that I had going to Fiesta Mexicana, Mexican Fiesta, which is held at Summer Fest Grounds. And it was a time where I saw a dance production, dance performance, but it was Azteca. And it was so powerful, so loud. The drums were just like echoing around the hall. Like it was just so beautiful. The colors were so vibrant. And the dancers, their, their passion that they had like with the whole show was just so beautiful and I think it was honestly one of like the most impressive moments that I've had Mm -hmm. both like in arts and performing arts but then also just 
related to my culture and just seeing it just it's felt so magical but it also was like wow this actually happened you know that these are actual dances they mean so much they're so meaningful so it, mm. it was yeah it just felt so real and it was yeah like I said I was so much younger so everything just felt so much bigger you know <laughs> um so I think that experience was definitely one of like the first ones where I was like wow this is so beautiful I want to be a part of this I want to do this be part of this world mm. well can you tell the listeners a little bit about your cultural background yeah, sure thing. So I was born in Milwaukee. Uh, both my parents, however, are from Mexico. So we are from Zacatecas, which is towards like the middle of Mexico. It's kind of dry, arid, a little bit desert-like, but it's also so beautiful. I had the chance of going the first time. It wasn't even too long ago, I guess, maybe like five years um, ago. And just having that connection and like finally being able to, you know, see the places that my parents talked about and my family talks about and like putting faces on the names. It's so different. It really like brings you back. It like grounds you. And I think like after that was one of like the first times too, that I just felt like almost like a resurgence of creativity and, and inspiration. I love the idea of you looking back on that memory from when you were younger. And I'm sure that performance took on a whole new meaning and a whole new depth in your recollection of it after you had the experience of traveling to Mexico. Yeah. So after that experience, I also, I'm not sure if I shared this with you guys, but I'm also an acid dancer. So for a while it was mm. like, I would do this and, you know, try and, and try and learn the meaning behind them and try and learn the dances and, you know, putting as much passion as I can mm. into it. But it's not until you're able to really come, you know, face to face with that experience. And for me, you know, for everyone, it's different. But for me, it was going to the motherland, you know, and, and seeing it there and seeing it performed and not performed, but because at that point, it's not really like a performance, I would say, but mm -hmm. seeing it done there just adds like a whole other layer to it and it wasn't until until then I think that I was finally able to I don't know I guess I'm not really sure like if it meant more it just had a different meaning mm. if that makes sense yeah. after that experience of seeing the dancers at the fest did the opportunity present itself to you to get involved in dancing or did you go seek it out how did that come to be we actually sought it out and it was for my sister's quinceanera. So I was at the time 12 and we wanted to have something for her surprise dance. So in quinceaneras, we always have like the waltz and then you have a surprise dance. And it's usually like some sort of culturally relevant dance like bachata or cumbia, um, rancheras, we call them. Um, so it's it really depends on the I guess, but my sister thought it would be really cool if we did like a coronation ceremony, um, mm. but that had incorporated like Aztec dance. So mm. we sought it out and we started taking classes and we essentially learned these dances and the whole routine for the quinceanera, but we both just so very much loved it. <laughs> and so mm. we kept going with it for a couple of years. She eventually stopped dancing, but I kept it going. And so we did Mexican fiesta every year. We had different kinds of performances. <laughs> We'd go to Madison and stuff like that. Mm. So it was really cool. It was, it was an awesome experience. 
What a fun surprise to learn that you're also a dancer. I was like, I feel like the, so awesome. yeah. the question kind of like brought it back. And I was like, oh yeah, sometimes it's like something I forget about because it's not as consistent anymore, but it's still something that definitely shaped who I am as an artist. And right. It's, it's another medium of expression. So yeah. Speaking of that, I'd love if you could lay out for the listeners a little bit more about your artistic trajectory. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I guess I was always into art as a kid. I never was like a video gamer, you know, or I would spend most of my time outside. And if I wasn't outside, then I was drawing or something. So I actually grew up going to uh, Bruce Guadalupe, uh, which is in the South side. And they have such an amazing like arts and music program. So mm-hmm. I was very lucky to be to be part of that school and part of that community. So I started off in kindergarten and I graduated. So I was with them the whole time until eighth grade. So I was always seeking like art opportunities in there. So like, art club after school and middle school. Well, let me go back. In elementary school first. <laughs> We were introduced to WPCA, so Walker's Point Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. So I think I was probably like in second or third grade when I started attending those like after school programs. Cool. Um, and then we did the summer camp with my brother and my older sister. So it's just three of us. So all of us did the summer camp and it was so much fun. And then after elementary, then in middle school, I did like the after, art, after school arts program for a little bit. But during that whole time, I was also playing the cello. So I'm classically <laughs> trained in the cello. Um, so I was part of the music, the Latino art strings program mm. um, since I was eight until I was 18. So that extends actually through high school, which is pretty awesome. So for some time, I was like focusing a little bit more on the studio art side. And then I was doing like music and then it would kind of like switch off. But once I was in high school, I kind of realized that even though I love music and I've come a long way. It didn't really have such a lasting effect Mm. on me as visual art. Mm. So that's something that I kind of had to sit myself and think about a little bit because it was a big decision. Obviously, you know, 10 (laughs) years of doing something, you kind of wonder if there's more that you could do or, you know, things like that. So I was a senior and I was taking my art a little bit more seriously. I had taken specific um like higher level courses or more like designed Mm -hmm. for um a specific medium Mm -hmm. so by that time I was just kind of like well you know these are the things that like I'm really really into right now I feel like there's a lot of potential there so I think I need to sacrifice something and put it on Mm. hold and at the time I was still dancing too so I didn't want to like go up the dance (laughs) um so I thought well maybe I should try it out and it worked out (laughs) you know (laughs) um so yeah so that was in high school and then moving on, I, um, so I graduated from Marquette in political science, but during that mm. time also I went to um, Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. So they have a really cool program where Marquette students can take classes at Myad. Myad students mm. can take classes mm-hmm. at Marquette um, and it's all included in the tuition. There's just like a Amazing. couple extra fees that you have to pay. Yeah, but it's not very, um, it's not a very known program. So I try to just plug it in anytime I can. <laughs> So that students know that they have that option. Um, but mm-hmm. there at my ad, I took like a monoprint course, just like general courses that everyone, like every student had to take. And then we started getting into, you know, a specific mediums, um, drawing, I took oil painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the higher level themed courses, it was more so focused on like themes. So one of like my favorite or some of my favorite ones were self-identity and social justice. So 
it was it was pretty cool what an amazingly cool combination of degrees you you worked on at the same time seriously (laughs) were there did it feel coming out of that experience did it feel like an easy path to kind of navigate how to explore both of those interests and areas of your life or how did you start to begin to identify how you could move forward your artistic practice in the quote real world like post school (laughs) yeah I guess something that I always thought about when I was in college was what I didn't want my life to look like. Mm. And although I didn't exactly have a plan for after I graduated, I knew that I didn't want to sit in an office all day. You know, I feel even though I loved poli sci and that was one of my passions, just being knowledgeable about that and being able to have a, you know, a good deep conversation besides surface level understanding of, you know, things that are going on in the world. Yeah. But yeah. I knew that those entry-level jobs are going to be just that. So it kind of made me a little bit nervous because I, since I didn't have a plan, I was kind of like, I don't know, a little bit nervous about whether I had to, you know, um, end up taking one of those roles or one of those um, positions. But I guess I don't want to say that I feel like I could have fallen back on the art, but I do feel like I had a different plan. Like I had a plan B almost if that like wouldn't have had worked out for me. But then in, in my second semester senior year of college, I was actually hired at 16th Street. So I was still in college. I was hired mm-hmm. as their um, seasonal project assistant, which would have only lasted until um, just like the end of summer when they have like most of their programs. So actually at that same time, artists working in education had contracted me for a project that 16th street was doing. So it was just mm-hmm. kind of funny timing the way yeah. like, it just ended up working out. And so for the work with AWE that we did was a crosswalk mural around 16th street um, and Washington. So mm-hmm. Washington street is actually a designated like active street for um, the city initiative. Um, so essentially it's like a grant that our organization or a neighborhood group can get to activate the corridor and kind of promote traffic safety, walking, you know, um, a walkable street, what doesn't mean to be a healthy street and like that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I was all part of that work. And then from then I kept meeting like other artists and other organizations. Eventually I was hired full-time with 16th Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it just kind of like ended up working that way, but I didn't have a plan. So I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. (laughs) So one of our questions was, how did you find yourself drawn into the work as a community artist? But it sounds like you just kind of naturally became one. Honestly, it does feel that way. Um, It just was so fluid. Um, It just really, the opportunities were there. And I, you know, I took them. But I also know that that's not how it works. Mm. (laughs) Usually, you know, it doesn't end up working out so smoothly sometimes. But Mm -hmm. it did, it did for me at that time. So I'm very thankful for that. So tell us about the work that you do at 16th Street Community Health Centers as the Neighborhood Revitalization Coordinator. Yeah, so I work in the Department of Environmental Health and Community Wellness at 16th Street. So it's a lot of working outside of the clinic walls. Um, I think typically for um, different services and programs the clinic offers, we um, you know, often need people to come to the building or need people to come to us. But we're really the department that 
goes outside of the clinic walls, goes outside into the communities, into different neighborhoods, and really uh, kind of engages in that way. So I'd like to think of my role as more so of like a liaison role, kind of like mm-hmm. connecting people with the systems, connecting people with resources, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know, just making sure that the residents and our neighbors are being acknowledged, that they're being heard, mm-hmm. that they're being taken into consideration when you know all of these organizations or all of these stakeholders are coming up with different projects and initiatives mm-hmm. um, and they're being developed. So I think more so than programs that I myself implement, I help people kind of be in the know of what's going on mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. having them, you know, giving them or offering them a platform to be heard. Um, mm-hmm. And that can look at a lot of different ways, you know, um, public information meetings, you know, doing door-to-door engagement, having consistent workshops or things like that. Um, so it, it depends on the season, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you found in your role, I mean, I know that we'll, we'll get into the work we're doing this summer, but have you found in your role otherwise that the opportunities to bring your artistic side or implement creativity as a, like as a vehicle for communicating the information and resources that you need to communicate, does the environment you're in lend itself to that? Or is it feel a little bit of a, like something you have to push for? Like, tell us about what that experience is like. Yeah, I think it's very natural. I think it gives Mm. itself, I don't know, it just like works out that way too. Um, With the role, you can be very creative. So a lot of times the projects that I work on, I try to incorporate art as much as I can, just because Mm -hmm. I know it's something that residents and and the community members like to see. It's something that people like to do. And oftentimes it's, I mean, most times it's just beautiful. You know, it's a beautification effort, but it's also part of like a like bigger work if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like I feel like it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily just the end result but also like how did it come to be and like the process and engagement Mm -hmm. and the conversations that led up you know to to the end result to the end piece but yeah I feel like incorporating art is pretty easy in in my role Um, even just in simple things like um, social media posts or flyers or things like that like smaller things like like that kind of stuff I feel like can be not taken for granted but is not necessarily something that a lot of people like think about but it is mm-hmm. like one of like the first things that people see right about like an event mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. won't really I don't know see the full description of who's invited to or whatever but yeah. they'll see an infographic and it's vibrant bright and it's if it's to the point then I feel like people will come you know um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like little little tactics like that or little ways like that but also besides just having the opportunity to coordinate these programs you know and being in that more of like the leadership position of either taking them on or not being a part of something I feel like art can definitely be incorporated in anything that we do in any small way or in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. I want to tease out something that you sort of touched on. You were reflecting on, you know, beyond the individual person's experience of making art, there's something else at work that that takes place when when art making is happening as a collective. Can you speak to how creativity might be connected to wellness or cultivating a sense of wellness within communities and individuals? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that's not talked about enough. 
a lot of times I feel like when you think about art, you do think about a final thing, you know, the final piece or the final mm -hmm. installation. Um, but yeah, that process can be so beautiful. I think incorporating creativity really helps us connect with residents and with each other in a nonverbal way. So a lot of times I think that organizations can, can see engagement, see the term and think door to door, canvassing, surveys, this, that. But a lot of times I feel like we might leave people out that, you know, not necessarily connect with that kind of connection. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I think that we, at least I try to recognize that. And I think as a, part, as, a, as a department, we do a good job of trying to, you know, recognize this. Um, and recognizing that through talking means only like we can really engage a certain kind of person. Maybe they're a little bit more extroverted or they have extra time on their hands. But in doing a project, like a painting project or something, you know, it might get residents, kids, community members, other stakeholders, you know, they might want to be involved because it's something different. It's not something that they have to maybe feel intimidated by, you know, coming to a public meeting, for example, um, mm -hmm. public information meeting, maybe people sometimes, you know, express that they feel over-surveyed too. Mm. And that's something that we see um, and we try to be mindful of. But also with keeping this in mind, we know that it's still important to keep, you know, keep them in the loop and keep them engaged, even if it's not like the best, most possible way, it's still pretty important. Um, but yeah, I feel like we overall, we just want to include and engage as many people as we can. And just like a lot, allowing them to express themselves in, in any way. And we know that this is not just in written form or post-its, you know, which is something that we do too. Um, but it's also when we get to see someone's drawing, maybe someone's, you know, the colors that they use. When we see people express themselves like with art or other creative outlets, I feel like we definitely see more smiles, much mm. more happiness, expression. And oftentimes there's always like an opportunity for a deeper conversation. Mm. Yeah, art has a way of giving people a chance to open up and be more vulnerable. On that same note, Yessi, I would love if you could extrapolate for us a little bit, if you would. You said you you see joy, you see, you know, people being excited, people perhaps communicating more. Are there any health outcomes that you've seen that you can trace back to coming from a creative initiative that you were part of through 16th yeah, Street? Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like generally the health outcomes that we've seen include things like mental health, you know, improvement in mental health, neighborhood connection, which is so important for a healthy neighborhood. And maybe also like physical health too. Um, within our department, we have a Healthy Choices um, program. It's our community wellness department. Um, mm. They have a lot of different like workshops, family programs and stuff. So they incorporate, I guess, not traditional arts um, in the way that we think of it, but it's more so like cooking classes. How do we use, you know, our um, things that we can find in the store, things that we can find in the market, in the farmer's market. And using them in a creative way that, you know, will get our population to use, you know, specific ingredients and specific spices or other things that are easy to find, they're cheap, and, you know, we're able to, like, create something delicious and something beautiful with mm -hmm. it um, that could also be pretty healthy. So definitely, like, the physical health is there. And more so than anything, I think, just kind of like the process that was described earlier in the, in the prior uh, question, I think that also 
relates to, you know, a healthy person and feeling that you're heard, feeling that you're acknowledged, and then seeing things come out of the, of the feedback that you shared, I think also creates such a sense of trust with the stakeholder or with the group or with each other, you know, um, it's like, a, I don't know, seeing your input become part of something bigger definitely has an effect. Mm. Yeah. You know, on that note, I want to, I would love to share with our listeners a little bit about the work we're doing this summer. We just had a listening session the other day where we got to hear from residents about what they wanted to see in the green space we're working on. And, you know, we hope that over the next couple of months, that'll lead to implementing those ideas and being able to build some of that, that trust and that sense of pride in, in people's ideas becoming reality. Can you share with us a little bit just to kind of like build the web of like who's all involved in this? Yeah. Um, had you worked with Mosquito Way Forward before? Tell us a little bit about how that how this relationship all kind of came to be. Yeah, sure. So I have worked with Mosquito Way Forward before. When I first started working on 16th Street, I picked up a lot of projects that were kind of like left in the middle. Um, so it was a little <laughs> bit overwhelming, but it was also such a great experience because I was, you know, kind of like forced to talk to everyone and like yeah. kind of ask, okay, who's on the table? Who should I be speaking to? And oftentimes it was like the speed way forward that um, that kept coming up. So mm. from that initiative, it was actually a project that was coordinated through uh, Northwestern Mutual. So it was like a grant that we had received and it was mm-hmm. for uh, traffic calming through placemaking and how that connection would serve our community. So the initiative was a two-part event. Um, So it was kind of like a pop-up event. We called it La Cita Verde. And um, it ended up being three pop-ups, I believe. Um, But essentially it was bringing in resources and different like info guides and different other information, different knowledge about like traffic coming and different kind of measures that we can have within the city. Uh, what are like the most important? What are the most like implementable that we can have? Um, and what's just completely out of the question for our neighborhood, um, which is pretty frustrating to kind of know, but mm-hmm. it's important. And mm-hmm. this could be for various reasons that we don't have to get into right now. <laughs> but yeah, so that was part of the blessed of it, this stuff. So from that relationship, I think we just kept each other in the loop and wanted to, uh, you know, take that momentum that had that had been created from the Blessed of the events and uh, keep doing something with them. So we, um, this summer, as part of the collaborative efforts, it's ourselves, so 16th Street, it's Muskego Way Forward, Safe and Sound, um, data you can use, and Imagine MKE. Um, so we're all working together to host um, a new series of summer workshops that kind of takes like I said, that momentum and just like keeps working with it. So it really ties in the knowledge aspect to a theme, a facilitated discussion uh, among participants, uh, which have looked like a fun game and, you know, casual conversations, and then a creative outlet to go with the theme. So this project is called Green Lounge Talks uh, and will be taking place, has been taking place in one of two spots that we have this summer. So the first one is that same place that we held the Blessed Devil event. So um, it's a vacant lot. It's a city-owned lot. It's on 16th and Forest Home. Uh, there's been no development there at all. 
there had been talks of uh, a Taco Bell, <laughs> you know, coming mm -hmm. to that space and residents uh, really advocated against that. So mm -hmm. that's good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the second space is the Pittsburgh Market Community Garden, which is owned by Pete. So um, they've been uh, kind enough, kind enough uh, to lend it to us for our uh, initiative. Yeah, I think what's amazing, and we've only done now one event in that 16th and Forest home space, but we'll have several more before the summer is out, is that I think it's a space that probably people pass by and don't necessarily hang out in. You know, it is it is on some noisy streets as we as we learned as we were listening into people, but it's this big space that is really in the heart of a neighborhood. There are lots of homes yeah. surrounding it and to be able to um, host events there where we'll be you know, taking it over for the evening with art making, visual art making and storytelling and music and dance, all these things by the end of the summer is pretty incredible. And I'm really excited to see what comes of it and what we hear from residents when they're able to come back multiple times, you know, how it kind of yeah. changes their perception of what it feels like to, to live by that space. Yeah, Definitely. and it's something that we've heard, or at least that I've heard, you know, doing engagement around that neighborhood too, is that because for a while it was activated, it was the community farm. So they had like, um, I think for a while it was just veggie plants and it was all planted like in ground. And residents really liked that. But something that we also see is a loss of engagement when it comes to community gardens too. Mm. Um, a lot of times it's harder mm. to keep it maintained because residents lose interest. Sometimes, um, other times it's for other reasons, you know, but that's something that we wanted to keep in mind too. still activating that space, maybe not, you know, focusing or highlighting it as a farm, but nonetheless, still having that gathering space and letting residents see that there's stuff going on there and mm. that there will be more opportunities for them to come and enjoy this little green space, I think is really awesome too. Mm -hmm. So we've had a little glimpse into you as an artistic renaissance woman and <laughs> I would love to hear a little bit more about the form that your own creative practice takes today yeah um so I guess my creative process is just always happening I feel like now I'm in a good place in a good headspace <laughs> also <laughs> but I feel like I am very intentional intentional um now about just going about my daily life and you know picking out things that inspire me and, and things that I resonate with uh, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty intentional about that now just because before it was a little bit harder I was a little bit distracted I had school I had this I had clubs I had you know all these things but now I feel like I have time to kind of gather myself a little bit be a little bit more grounded about that so that's been really nice but just generally I feel like I gather inspiration from any of my experiences and from this, I feel like if I experience something, then I have, you know, the opportunity, the right to talk on it and kind of like express myself in that way. So it's really all about like my reality and how I experience things. I try and be pretty mindful and sensitive about drawing or portraying something that I can't really talk on. So I try not to do that. But yeah, I feel like over, just generally I, I carry a little sketchbook around with me and pop things in, sketch things in as they come in my head. Um, mm -hmm. And I recently got an iPad. <laughs> so nice. I feel like now that's been kind of incorporated into mm -hmm. my process. And it's pretty nice to have something that, you know, I'm able to 
have like a quick sketch on and then like keep keep going because it's just something that I notice myself doing is that I'll start a sketchbook and then I'll never go back to it or you know my drawings end up being in like four different places so um having the ipad has been nice for my organizational skills um and I'm still getting used to it but it's been really nice but yeah I think the creative process for me is really usually like I spend some time reflecting gathering inspiration then I'll do some thumbnails about my concepts that I'm thinking about then from there I'll sketch out a couple of those ideas that I like I'll make like a full page sketch and then yeah just playing around with elements um I like to think of my work as like collaging almost because Mm -hmm. it's like I Mm -hmm. take experiences experiences I take different emotions and then we're like you know finding a way to put them together that kind of feels cohesive but not maybe not necessarily looks it but still I don't know I try to create things that will spark a conversation you know that maybe Mm. it's not meant to be understood right away maybe you're supposed to take a little deeper look at it or I don't Mm -hmm. know just something something to think about something that'll stay in your head for a little bit yeah (laughs) um (laughs) That's some of the most powerful art, though, that sticks with you and and brings up questions instead of giving you a ready answer. Yeah. So where can folks experience examples of your artwork out in the community? Yes. Uh, so I have a bunch of stuff, I guess. So out in the community, really, it's more so like the work that I've done through 16th Street or as an artist, but it's still like community-based work, um, which means that we, you know, keep, that we keep the resident engagement as high as we can through the whole process. So it's usually like inviting them to help design or to help paint or things like that. So um, that kind of stuff can be found, let's see. So the first one that I did was on 16th and Washington. So that was the crosswalk mural, but it's completely like, not completely, but it's pretty off of the concrete now, um, Mm. just because we had a Mm. nasty little winter and then the salt does not do good Mm. on our pieces you know so it's just Mm -hmm. like little things like that maybe Wisconsin's not the best place to do those things (laughs) but um nonetheless it was nice for a couple of seasons (laughs) and then I did two other crosswalk murals on Mitchell Street which Mm. um actually have the same like similar problems to them and then I am currently working on a like mountain mural that will be installed at Walker's Point Center for the Arts. So um, that was going to be pretty cool. And the kids have helped me um, paint that. So it's been really nice to uh, keep their engagement in that way too. That's so and special then, given your experience, you know, your formative yeah. experience as a little artist yeah. there. Definitely, definitely. It's very meaningful. This whole like process has been, and I'm just like really happy to have had, you know, to keep that relationship that I had with them. Um, in my role and also like as an artist now it's like full circle really Uh, and um I do have um a mural that was installed earlier this year at the UMOS Latina Resource Center um so that was Mm. a really beautiful process also we had um different like staff feedback workshops about what it means to work there what it means Mm. um you know what uh services are offered and just like different stories, highlighting the culture, highlighting the people um, that they serve and like the history of the place. And it's just, it ended up being like a really, really beautiful, very like strong femme um, representation. So uh, that was one of my favorite projects, I think. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, this summer in um, the end of summer, so in September, 
Um, I'll be participating in the boat parade, Milwaukee Riverkeeper boat parade. So I'm really excited about that. It's like the first time I do something like that. So we're, yeah, we're ranching out here. Nice. <laughs> um, so I'll have a piece that I designed. So it'll be like on a pontoon boat, I think, and it'll be like oh. decorated really nicely. Um, and the design that I created uh, was inspired by um, the meaning and the importance of clean water for Indigenous mm. cultures. So that's my mm. that's my theme on it. The, the um, yeah, the theme for this year was seeing water in the cream city. So that's my my little take on it. Mm. I can't wait to see your pontoon. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds like how does how does one book a ride on this pontoon? Yeah. <laughs> do you get to take a ride on it? Yes, Is it that super. kind of parade? I think I do take I, I think I can take a ride on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna practice your, so. your waves. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, as we begin to close out our time here. We like to ask our guests what they would do if they were our city's leader of arts and culture, but just for a few minutes, just for the few minutes that we've left on the pod, what would you do that would change the city somehow? Um, Could be a policy, could just be a like totally off the wall, making something mandatory. What would be your uh, reign of power? Um, let's see. I think I would do two things. Well, I would really, really want to see two things be done. So um, the first one is, definitely incorporating some sort of like mindfulness or or art therapy of some sort in schools um Mm -hmm. specifically i think in middle schools because i feel like sometimes art can be incorporated into a lot of different projects in elementary so it's a little bit easier to like get away with it quote unquote Mm -hmm. um but in middle school i think that's when you kind of start to become prone to influence a little bit more so i feel like it's more of a necessary thing then and just like making it more of like a a mandatory thing but not really like selling it that way and having it be incorporated into maybe like an enrichment hour or like Mm. something after lunch you know where they can kind of be a little bit more reflective about it um but also doing it in a way that doesn't feel like it's forced um Mm -hmm. so I don't exactly know what that would look like but I would love to see some version of that um be um incorporated into into schools um Milwaukee public schools for sure and the other thing that I would want to do is just see more, I don't know, I feel like this is maybe like a little bit cliche, but just see more murals on like one corridor, I think is so cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like we can do this in Milwaukee. Like you see this, these things in other cities, LA, Chicago, like, mm-hmm. and you know, like you come back to Milwaukee and I feel like every single time I, I take a trip and I see so much art in one space in one corridor, I'm like, wow, this would be super cool on 16th Street this would be super cool Mm -hmm. on national. This would be Mm -hmm. really awesome on Greenfield. And it's like, it's doable for sure. But when, you know, and how? It needs to start with someone's vision, right? (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So I think those are, those are two of the things that I would love to see in the city. Sounds like we just drafted our next grant proposal together. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm so down. Amazing. So Yessie, how can our audience find you and keep track of your awesome work as a community artist so I feel like for the community art stuff that I do I post it more on um, our Facebook pages so just like 16th street um, even if it's just me as an artist it's usually like a community invite you know like invitation to community so I'll still post it on there and that you can find us um, on Facebook on Facebook you can find us as 16th street community wellness Mm-hmm. And I'll usually like post all the like, community related stuff on there. And then for my own projects, I usually just keep my Instagram pretty updated. 
I don't really use Facebook too much to post my art stuff, but you can find me at M-V-Z-A-P-A-N. It's a play on Mazapan, which is a Mexican candy that my dad used to give me. So more so than I, I, I love this candy, I do, but more than that, it just means um, like the love that um, I always felt from, from my parents, my dad. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll, uh, we'll see you on social soon, but, but sooner than that, we hope we'll, we'll see you. And we hope some of our listeners at some of our programming this summer. Thanks, Yessie. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. What a great conversation. Mm -hmm. It's always nice to have an opportunity to kind of dive deep into someone's backstory. You know, when you're doing work together, you don't always have that time to have that really deep dive into what brought them to this place. So it's fun to learn more and and understand, you know, why Yessi is the joyful creative leader that I Mm -hmm. see her to be in our work together. Totally. And what a multidimensional talent she is. Mm -hmm. That was fun Mm -hmm. to hear about her dance background. And I love the idea of how can we fill as many corridors with murals as possible? Let's get that going for sure. <laughs> Live grant writing. Live grant writing. We all just happening. experienced it. <laughs> it's very efficient. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we did get a chance to talk with Yessie about Green Talks at the Lounge. That's going to be happening for the rest of the summer. And if you didn't catch it earlier in the podcast, we do have another iteration of this event series coming up tomorrow. Lindsay, do you want to tell the listeners about it? Yeah, that's right. So this one is actually going to be at Pete's Garden. We're doing two spaces this summer, and this one's Pete's Garden. That's right, like the market, Pete's uh, Market Garden. And it'll be four to seven. The topic will be environmental justice. Um, And so there will be discussion and learning and engagement around the topic of environmental justice. And we'll also have the Milwaukee Art Museum's uh, art truck, studio art truck, coming out for um, people to experiment with making art people all ages and there will be snacks and there will be music so invite folks to join us music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. art sign me up doesn't get better than that right nope well we hope to see some of you there but until then listeners thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review or contact us directly at pod at imaginemke.org. Imagine This Podcast is hosted by David Lee, Lindsay Sheridan, and me, Elizabeth Gasparka. The show is produced and edited by me. Our theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To catch all the latest from Imagine MKE, hit us up at Twitter and Instagram at imagine underscore MKE or Facebook, Imagine MKE. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next Tuesday. Bye. Later. Music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Art. Sign doesn't, me up. Doesn't get better than that, right? Nope.